0: Hello and welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Boss Podcast, the show that helps you not only feel empowered and knowledgeable, but confident and a boss mom in the dyslexia journey. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren. Are you a mom looking for community, network, and more resources to support your child through the DQ journey, well look no further. I am happy to announce that I have two group coaching programs available for you. One is for the mom who's ready to level up in six weeks with an intensive course that provides you with six modules on ridding the mom guilt, decoding dyslexia, the special education process, structured literacy, comorbid disabilities, and dyslexia and adulthood and there are several courses quizzes resources and other group coaching interviews with moms that you can glean insight from so if you're interested in that i want you to find the link in the show notes to apply for this program the other program is for the moms who of course still want that community and support but this is more at your own pace This is a three-month group coaching program with five modules. The first module is all about setting goals and your intention. Where are we going and where do we want to be? The second module sets you up for success to be a confident mom or a dyslexia mom boss. The third module focuses on understanding the dyslexia journey. Now, I say dyslexia, but I do delve into the other D-Cubes. And the fourth module, of course, we can't leave this one out, focuses on the special education process because that is definitely something that we need to delve into and feel very confident and knowledgeable about. And the final module is bonus lessons, interviews, and other resources. So if this is something that really excites you or even piques your interest, be sure to apply using the link in the show notes, and I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Dyscalculia mini-series, four-part mini-series, I should say. This is episode 24. Today, we are going to delve into a little bit more in depth as to what is Dyscalculia and what are the several types. Now, first things first, I think, as I said in episode one, if you haven't listened to episode one, where I explain who I am in the context of this space, this D Cube space, I highly encourage you to go back. Context is so important, and when I say that, I mean we need to know where this information is coming from. So, the history of dyscalculia. So. The a gentleman by the name of Doctor Lad, Ladislav Kosk. So he was uh, born in 1924, died in 2016. Was the head of the Department of Child Pathopsychology in Czechoslovakia. So that should tell you it was a long time ago because Czechoslovakia is not a country anymore. It's now two separate countries. But he was the first to describe developmental dyscalculia back in 1974. I'm going to let that sink in for just a second. 1974. Okay, that was decades ago. And we still have teachers and parents who are not as well versed in understanding what dyscalculia is. So this is how Dr. Kosk defined um, dyslexia. I was about to say dyslexia, dyscalculia. Um, he defined developmental dyscalculia as a structural disorder of mathematical abilities which has its origin in genetic or congenial disorder in those parts of the brain that are anatomical physiological subtract subtract of the maturation of the mathematical abilities adequate to age without a simultaneous disorder of general mental function now that is a mouthful But really, what we have come to know and understand is this is a language-based learning difference or disability. Um, I think that there is research that supports that this can be genetic, just like dyslexia. Now, the various types I found to be very interesting. It was in an article that I had found. um, The author's name was King with an H in 2016. And I believe it was really just delving in i can't remember the title of the of the article off the top of my head but it delved really into the various types of dyscalculia and i just found this to be so fascinating and i actually made this into a resource that you can find in the show notes um, that is on my website and i believe my teachers pay teachers page as well but this delves into the history the different subtypes and the different overall types of dyscalculia. So the way that I want you all to be thinking about this visual is of an umbrella, okay? So picture an umbrella and the, and above the umbrella, it says dyscalculia. Underneath the umbrella, there are two subcategories. There's math computation and then there's math reading. Within those two subtypes Of dyscalculia, there are types within those subtypes. Now, that is a mouthful to understand. And I'm going to do my best to try to communicate this verbally because this is a lot, this episode is actually a lot of information. So the mathematical computation disorder. So this is a type of dyscalculia, a subtype. It affects an individual in solving math calculations an individual with this type of discalculate or i should say this subtype uh, may have difficulty in solving simple addition subtraction multiplication division and math concerns usually begin at those developmental ages in elementary school and will continue throughout secondary school if proper interventions are not put in place math reading, I always think of this as more abstract. So this impacts the individual's ability to utilize math reasoning to solve problems, um, time, direction, word problems. And all of this, as I stated in the first episode of this series, is math is truly its own language. So Within these two subtypes, math computation, so think numbers, math reading, think abstract, concepts, word problems, there are other types. So within math computation, these are various types of dyscalculia. Sequential dyscalculia, developmental dyscalculia, operational dyscalculia, a calcula a calculia dyscalculia. An ideagnostic dyscalculia. Those five are all under math computation. Under math reading, we have verbal dyscalculia. Lexical dyscalculia. Graphical dyscalculia. And practognostic dyscalculia. So again, this is a lot of vocabulary. I Think that it would be helpful if you had this visual because this is really what I'm looking off of to do this episode. Um, Because I know when I found this information, it was like mind blown for me. I'm like, wait a second, and I thought about all the kids. You know, me being a special educator, trying to accommodate, trying to plan with my co my math co teachers. How can we reach the student? I'm noticing. I think there's a processing issue. You know, I would highlight certain things. I would modify certain things. I would say, if we're, if everyone else is doing 10 of these problems, let's just focus on two. There were so many things that I wish I had this resource to know. Oh, this is the root of why this child is struggling. And this is why this concept would be easier. So, so much in teaching eighth grade math uh, at the school where I was, it, I called it, um, like a buffet of the classes that the students would get in high school. So there was a unit on algebra. There was a unit on statistics. There was a unit on um, uh, geometry. I was about to say geography. Well, those are classes within itself. So I would find that a student might really struggle with algebra and maybe they bombed every quiz and unit test. And then all of a sudden we moved to geometry and they were just on fire. And I think a lot of it boils down to what kind of dyscalculia was that child struggling with? And as stated earlier in this episode, what kind of interventions are we putting in place? Now we can't put an intervention in place if we don't know what the problem is. And that's why I really went in depth in the last episode about the signs and symptoms. So let's let's delve into these, these various types. So sequential dyscalculia is a type of dyscalculia that makes it difficult to count numbers in a sequence. So perhaps, and these students might have trouble with time calculations, scheduling, directions, tracking and measuring. Remember, um, if you heard, I shouldn't say remember because this could be your first episode, but if you go back and listen to the the first part of this mini-series, I talked about uh, a friend of mine who I interviewed and how he had timers for everything for his schedule. This is sequential dyscalculia. There isn't really a concept of time to know I need to have uh, 15 minutes to block out for me to walk here or to get there. The next one is developmental dyscalculia. This is difficulty in counting and recognizing math signs, uh, patterns, really understanding the symbols. Those were some of the signs and symptoms I talked about in preschool and the primary school ages. And I think more than often, if we see our kids or, or if we're teachers and we see our students struggling with that, we might overlook it and say, oh, it's no big deal. They'll, they'll catch up. They'll get it. Kids develop at their own pace. And I think there is some validity to that. But I think that if we are seeing more than one or two or three signs and symptoms and they're all focused on numbers or symbols or something math related, we definitely need to keep our eyes open to know how to proceed. The next type of dyscalculia is operational. So this is difficulty with performing math operations and calculations. So understanding that numbers and their relationship to one another isn't, that really isn't the problem, but doing any calculations that require manipulating numbers and math symbols can be really challenging. So again, that's really focusing on that, how multiplication has various different symbols maybe your child or student can get the basics of the x as multiplication but then let's just say you're doing distributive property and they don't understand that the five outside of the parentheses and inside the parentheses is six plus three that they're supposed to distribute that five first and when they distribute that's five times six so things of that nature make it different to uh, difficult I say I should say not different but it is different for those that have operational dyscalculia verbal dyscalculia so this one I find to be interesting so verbal dyscalculia involves difficulty with talking about math concepts or relationships so for example a person with this type of dyscalculia may be able to read and write the numbers but be unable to talk about them like remembering their names or recognizing them when they are spoken to others so, and there's a there's an opposite one later on with lexical. So, if we think of lexicon, that's words. So that's under math reasoning. It's the complete opposite. So, a person with verbal dyscalculia, um, you know, is someone who can actually read and write those numbers, but when it comes time to talk about it, to me, that is like a, a processing. Uh, concern as well, and I think that that's so fascinating. Where it's that ex- expressive and receptive language, where they can take it in and they can hear you, but they have a really difficult time expressing what that means. A calculia, dyscalculia. So this is very similar to the dyslexia series when I talked about the trauma or acquired. And I believe this is similar with dysgraphia as well. So this is the kind of dyscalculia that might occur later in life. Perhaps maybe there was a brain injury or a stroke or something that made it difficult for someone to perform math, basic math uh, subtraction, addition, multiplication. I, I never leave this out because you never know what could happen. You know, I, I worked with a student many years ago who had traumatic brain injury injury because of a, an accident that happened later in their life. And so that required a lot of going back and relearning and things of that nature. All right, so lexical dyscalculia. So this is getting into the, the math reading. This is the opposite. So this type of dyscalculia can, be under, can understand math concepts when talked about but finds it really challenging to read the symbols and struggles to understand when they occur in number sentences or equations. So if you really think about all of these different types of dyscalculia and I know without fail we always hear teachers and parents say well math builds well math builds and math is factual and Yeah, it is. And I think that's probably why this is so challenging for so many kids, because if you haven't mastered your five times table, it's not impossible for you to get to algebra two, but it's going to make it a bit harder. And if you don't have the right interventions, then all of these things will become very difficult and very frustrating and, you know, really hard on the self-esteem, you know, and I can definitely say that from my perspective, of being a student that struggled in math it's really weird i had a love-hate relationship with it i loved starting the new year or the new quarter or the semester in a math class but then i would hate having all of the math homework and i think a lot of it was i just wasn't taught in the way that i was the way that i learned and so i always wanted to kind of quote keep up with the joneses so i remember in high school i took algebra i had to repeat algebra one i always would tell my, my eighth graders that like listen I repeated Algebra 1. So there's nothing wrong with you if you're not doing well in pre-algebra. It's okay. I took this class twice. So I took Algebra al- Algebra 1 twice. I took it in 8th grade and I took it in ninth grade. And then I remember I took Geometry. I took Algebra 2, which that was uh, awful. I remember I took... Uh, college something called college algebra which I think was essentially trigonometry and then I took pre-calc and I I really just kept taking math classes obviously I needed some of them to graduate but some of them were just extra I remember I signed up for statistics AP which was a joke I think I was in that class for all of two days and realized what am I doing (laughs) math is not my strong suit and I'm just trying to keep up with my friends and I think you will find that the the students that struggle in math with you know dyscalculia they do want to keep up with their peers, and they do want to look, quote, normal. And so this is why I talk about these signs and symptoms, so we can really, really have a deeper understanding of what these kids need. So for me, I just accepted I'm not that strong in math, and I definitely came up with my own resources and my own ways to accommodate, and it was really challenging. It was really challenging, but again, a lot of how I was taught was sit at the desk and take notes, and I just spent hours and hours and hours trying to remember formulas, trying to... Use my uh, TI-83, just all of these crazy, crazy things that today, you know, when you know more, you do better. All right, so back to the types of dyscalculia. The next one is called graphical dyscalculia. So this type of dyscalculia causes difficulties with writing math symbols, but it's not just limited to numbers. So a student could understand math ideas when talking about them and can read math information. However, they might have trouble writing or using math symbols to convey their understanding. So this to me sounds like a mix of a few types of dyscalculia. And I think that it's very possible. I have had people ask me, well, is it possible to have more than one of these? I think absolutely. I think Dr. Koss um, really delved into what these various types were. That doesn't mean that your child or your student or students could have only one. I mean, there could be five that they have and you really need to understand what they are to know how to accommodate and support them. All right, so the next, I think, I believe we have two left. i which sounds like, A religion (laughs) ideagnostic dyscalculia so this type of dyscalculia presents in having trouble with tasks that require an understanding of math ideas and relationships such as identifying which sequence of numbers is larger or smaller so this actually goes back to the the primary school signs and symptoms about patterns looking at numbers really understanding which one's smaller which one's bigger So it's generalized with difficulty in understanding math and numbers as a whole. So recalling math ideas after learning them can be a challenge. Now this is something I saw a lot of when I was um, teaching middle school math where we would teach a concept that was of course very complex or had several steps and then the next day was like we never taught it. And I think a lot of it was if there, first of all, we have to recognize and understand if there's a language-based difference, depending on that particular student and how they're inputting um, language, and again, math is its own language, how are they retaining it? How are they connecting it to real-world things that make sense to them? How are they mastering that in their brain to then be able to recall that information? And I think those are strategies that we might forget about as parents and teachers because we're like, we just did this yesterday. Like, why well, I don't get it. Well, it's not, it's not their fault. It's just how their brain is wired. And so if they struggle with understanding that, let's just use something basic, that 15 is bigger than 10, well, if they're looking at decimals, and the the hundreds place and the tenths place and then you have hundreds and tens and they can't distinguish which one's bigger because maybe they didn't master the place value chart. Of course they're going to forget. Of course they're going to they're not making those connections. So that's just something to really think about. Okay, and the last one is called pragagnostic dyscalculia. So this is the dyscalculia, dyscalculia that finds challenges in translating their abstract math knowledge into real world actions this is a really hard one without fail i would always get from those you could tell the kids that struggled the most how does this relate to the real world why are we doing this and i think far too often in math classes, is especially the further you, you get in math, because I think with geometry, it's a little bit easier to find real world examples. When you do fractions, you can do pizza, all of that. But when you're in algebra two, or if you're in trigonometry or pre-calc, I think it's a little bit harder for you to find those real world connections for those struggling math students to say, oh, I get it now. And so it's so important to make those real-world connections so students can see. I mean, maybe they won't be an engineer. Maybe they won't, uh, you know, be a cryptologist. But when you make those real-world connections or get them thinking or get them out of their chair and moving and uh, giving them highlighted problems and only sifting through the things they need to know, I think that's where you you build those connections for them to really commit to that in their long-term memory. All right everyone. So, that was a pretty uh a pretty heavy episode in terms of the types of dyscalculia. Resources to go to because this is a lot. I would definitely check out ronitbird.com. She is based out of the UK and she really talks about what dyscalculia looks like. She has toolkits. She she has I think like a whole curriculum. She's a great resource. You can also go to dyscalculia.org. I believe they have like free screeners, information, all of that good stuff. And then the article that I've been referencing is actually called Six Types of Dyscalculia Learning Disabilities, Identification Remedies, and Teaching Strategies. Now, they categorize it as six, but the way that I kind of broke it down and chunked it, because I believe in chunking, it really kind of came out to nine, but re- you really want to think about the umbrella, as I said, in the beginning of this episode, it's dyscalculia. And then under that umbrella, there's the math computation and math reading. And within that, those subtypes, there are other types of dyscalculia. So I hope you found this episode to be very helpful. I'm sure that you will go back and listen to it again, because there were a lot of there was a lot of language honestly in this episode for me as well so next week we will delve into the various types of accommodations that you can use within your classroom or as a parent you can share with your classroom teacher your child's classroom teacher so i look forward to seeing you in the next episode